0: Welcome everyone to the HSO Dynamics Matters podcast, your regular sonic dive into the world of Microsoft technology-related matters and much more besides. I'm your host, Michael Lolland, and for today's episode, I went undercover for a chat with HSO fraud expert, Pete Sharp, who recognized me even with a baseball cap and dark glasses. And in this episode, Pete talks about the best way organizations can tackle the growing threat of fraud and how Microsoft is helping you fight the good fight. So grab a brew, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Tea coffee? Coffee. How do you have it? Black. Strong. Dog or cat? Cat, two of them. Oh, you've actually got two cats over here. What's yeah. the names?
1: Cameron and Carlos. Normally you see them at like three or four in the afternoon when they just give up any pretense of hiding and stand in front of the camera trying to moon at customers for a while. Where did those names come from? From the cat sheriff that
0: they had them when I got them. Oh, okay. So that's something you've got with. Uh, cool names, by the way. Uh, green or blue blue is digital accessibility a blessing or a curse interesting I guess
1: blessing generally it gives us a lot more ways of sharing stuff around and giving people useful information but comes with a lot of difficulties in terms of how you do that and it's quite easy to do it wrong
0: in terms of doing it wrong perhaps which leads us into our topic of today which is around fraud is, is the rise in why the problem of fraud has been exasperated do you think I think it's got a lot to do with it. It
1: opens your front door to so many people in so many places. If you've got a physical retail store and you're worried about people nicking stuff, you just keep an eye on anyone coming in through that doorway and you can see them, you can see them wander around. And there are only so many people that can come in when you stick up your website, you happily give access to everybody on the planet to have a go at you. So you've got to be very, very careful about how you've set that up and how you manage it.
0: That's a good analogy, actually. Do you think people are generally dealing with that greater accessibility or more openness well? Or do you think that also is is a bit of a problem? I think it doesn't
1: stop. So if you said, I am dealing with it well today and then did nothing, by tomorrow you are dealing with it not very well. And by a year's time, you're dealing with it very badly. So it's a constant arms race between people trying to protect this stuff and people trying to find new ways into it and through it and to take advantage of it. I think the last two years have seen quite a big step up in terms of some of the attacks and the complexity and the sophistication of what people have got to to sort of bring to bear on these online stores. But equally, we've seen some of the defense mechanisms evolving over that time as well. So I think everybody's working really hard at it, but with with varying degrees of success.
0: Which companies do you think are doing it better and why or how are they able to do it better? Is it those that are bringing in new ways of tackling fraud more regularly, uh, more proactive about it? How, how, what kind of sets them apart from those that aren't perhaps managing it quite so well? So I think you've got
1: maybe two angles on this. One is the number of different ways people look at the problem that's coming in. And the other is the the tools that people use to manage it. Okay. So the people that are doing this well are the ones looking at every possible direction that an attack can come from. Yeah. So that's considering their people, the the social engineering side of it, and how they need to give their people the the tools and the protection for people going at it directly that way. It's looking more directly at what people can do online, and that's not just uh, payment fraud. That's how they can manipulate different accounts, how they can abuse the refunds process, how they can look at gift cards or fraudulent credit cards and all of the different ways they can come into it there. And thirdly, it's looking a little bit more at how people can abuse the process and where there tend to be gaps in the process. A lot of people put up the sort of frontline differences and say, we're going to check a credit card against a service that tells us whether it's been stolen. Somewhat fewer people are actually systematically looking at every point in the process from how do I see who you are when I, I first get contact with you on the site How do I track your behavior all the way through? And then how do I start to to plug the gaps in all of the different parts of my business process that runs behind that? So not just the sort of the standard flow, but all of the different points behind it. And then how do I use the best tools to do that? So not just sort of applying the older versions, which is here's a list of bad Mm. postcodes or bad credit cards. But actually, how do I start to use AI in that mix? How do I start to score How do I start to share intelligence across lots of organisations rather than just using my view of the world and what that tells me?
0: In in that sense, then, what's more important? Is it the technology that's protecting you and supporting you? Or is it the people's, perhaps the the education and skilling of people's use of the technology or or the way they're using it? What's more important? I think it's it's quite difficult to give one more
1: importance than the other because the two of them go together quite well. You need the tools there. But you've also got to skill people up to use them. So I want something that gives me a very intelligent view of what's going on and joins the dots in a way that an individual can't. Or even in the way that an individual company can't by creating a, a broader view across the whole landscape than one person's sort of window on it. But also once I've got that there, then I need to teach people how to use it. And I need them to be taking the intelligence out of that and using that to adapt their processes behind the scenes. So, fine, this is where fraud tends to come from. It's people that set up accounts like this or it's people that target our gift voucher returns process like that. Here's how to stop that direct attack. But then here's how to take the learning
0: from that and change the gift voucher refund process to close that loophole. As you say, it's a continuous arms race. One loophole opens, you try and close it, another one opens somewhere else. Exactly, and all the time you're trying to make this as easy for customers as possible. You want yeah. to,
1: you want to make it really simple for people to shop online. you want to give them loads of flexibility about all of the ways of transacting with us. and the easier you make it, the the harder it is to to control every step of that process.
0: There is that perception isn't there that I mean I'm quite uh, even myself and I know how a lot of technology works of putting say uh, your bank details and then having it saved in different shops and stores online with the worry that back of your mind that somehow some when some way somebody's going to be able to find a loophole and pull that information out and then share it there's always that in the back of your head as well. Yeah
1: exactly so as much as A company wants to protect themselves. They've got to make people trust them. Yeah. And they've got to make you feel like they are trustworthy. And that's that's definitely different to how they just sort of fraud score and, and wall off their own business.
0: And how are Microsoft then tackling the particular problem of fraud? So Microsoft came at this in
1: the way they do for quite a few things, actually, which is first tackling problems for themselves and then going more widely with that. So across the Microsoft Store, which operates in about 130 countries and Xbox and all of the tens of millions of users on there, they saw a huge amount of fraud. It's over a billion pounds a year that Microsoft's seeing fraud. So they started trying to tackle that problem. They looked at what was in the market. They decided that didn't give them the right options to deal with it. So they built their own service. They took the best of everything they've got. Um, in terms of modern technology and AI models and machine learning, and they started to build their own fork management solution. They built that. They went live. It was incredibly effective in terms of reducing that fraud and saving them hundreds of millions of pounds a year in attempted fraud. And so they've started rolling that out. And their approach is all based on the idea of broadening that view and not just relying on one retailer's view of of people trying to attack them, but actually on sharing that information across everybody that's using their services. So while you as a retailer implement Microsoft Fraud Protection, and that will look at who's trying to create an account and check out a basket and give you intelligence on that, it's using the data from every single place that Microsoft Fraud Service is installed. So if you, you try and attack website A, and then you go on to retailer B, we've already learned who you are. We've already learned your mechanisms and your attacks and will we'll block you the second time around without having sort of relearned
0: who you are and how you're dealing with this. Perhaps this is a related question then, but is that also heightening the value of having cloud-based systems? Because the learnings of solving particular four problems over there have been implemented into, a, into the solution that's obviously cloud-based and you can take advantage of yourselves to solve the same potential problem for you as an organization. Is that also the reason why cloud is perhaps the way to go it is
1: and it means there's one central service that's running this thing and taking all of that investment mm. so you're not looking at every single person implementing their own and building their own list of dodgy card details or ways of identifying who's trying to compromise your payment gateway
0: you're investing in that once and getting it shared if you had to offer one piece of advice, I know it's not quite tricky, for any organization trying to tackle fraud or trying to be more proactive about dealing with potential fraud later on, what might you what piece of advice might you offer? I think
1: there as we've already talked about, there are a lot of things that are important to make this work. So there isn't sort of one lever that an organization can pull to solve fraud. There is people, process, and yes. technology that comes into this. I guess the one thing I'd say more than anything else is Give yourself a wider view than just your company. One company stood in the face of all of the possible different ways people can try and execute fraud on you. Sooner or later, you're going to lose. You need support in this. You need an awful lot of allies and you need an awful lot of information about how you can do this. So take something that gives you a view and gives you a set of defences that are wider than just you.
0: Battling fraud is a constant arms race. As fast as loopholes are discovered and closed, new ones are found and exploited. Advances in digital technology is both a blessing and a curse. New tools allow organizations to improve efficiency, reduce costs, serve customers better, and so on. But they also come with new unknowns, and it's often those unknowns that are found by unscrupulous types first. Cloud technology provides a way to stay ahead at the forefront of fraud protection, and Microsoft's continuous investments in prevention provide at least some hope of staying ahead of the crooks. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Do visit ww.hc.com forward dynamics matters for more podcasts. And until next time, take care of yourself.